Hey, it's Victoria, and this is episode number 25, Things Parents Should Know When Supporting College-Age Survivors. In this episode, I will discuss some feelings and responses that may come up for parents after their child experiences violence, as well as helpful and not-so-helpful ways to support survivors. Now, I'm focusing on and talking to parents this season because we work with them most often, and I'll use the words mother, father, and parent throughout this episode. However, all of this information is also applicable to any person who acts as a caretaker of a student survivor. We see and appreciate your support as well. On a similar note, I'll often say your child when talking about student survivors. Now, I'm not using that term to infantilize college students, but to frame the relationship between parent and child, because we understand that they'll always be your kid, even as they grow into adulthood. However, it is a core belief of the WGAC that our students are young adults with personal autonomy, and we completely support their right to make choices for themselves. To start, we know that interpersonal violence can be a super challenging topic for many parents, especially when your child is the one impacted by violence. Your feelings around discovering your child has been abused are totally valid and understandable. Here at the WGAC, we use both survivor and victim to describe people directly impacted by interpersonal violence. But we most commonly refer to our students as survivors because language has the ability to help or hinder the healing process. And saying survivor is a hopeful attempt to center the agency and resiliency of those who have experienced trauma. Students who have directly experienced sexual violence, relationship violence, or stalking are called primary survivors, while the support people of a primary survivor are called secondary survivors. We know that repeatedly hearing about violent experiences can be traumatic in similar ways to a primary survivor, even if you've never experienced violence directly. Often, we work with parents of our students who experience trauma-related emotions or other responses resulting from supporting their child after abuse. This is called vicarious trauma, and its impact is very real. Please note that the WJC is here to offer resources and compassionate support to the parents of our students, as well as other secondary survivors. For now, though, we understand that finding out your child has been abused can come with a ton of emotions that aren't necessarily related to vicarious trauma, but are informed by your love for your child. It's hard enough sending your child into the world as a newly independent college student, and you may worry about them and whether they're making the right choices for their future. However, learning your child was a victim of interpersonal violence can cause feelings like grief or anger to surface which are understandable emotions and reactions to the situation. Some parents I work with feel their protective instincts explode out after their child experiences an assault, and they want to rush to their child's side or, in some cases, even pull them out of college. If your child wants one or both of these things to happen, then please move forward in support of them. However, for many different reasons, your child may not want you at their side and may want to stay right where they are. Many survivors I work with also feel pressure from their parents to report an incident to the police or to the university, which may not be the best option for your child for many different reasons. Remember that you are a support for your student, not detective, judge, or jury. Trust and respect your child's decisions, including those they make about reporting, even if their decisions differ from what you would choose to do in a similar situation. Our three-part series on reporting in season three of the podcast outlines the reporting process and may help you understand barriers to reporting for survivors, which can help you be more sympathetic to your child's choices after they've been abused. 
On a similar note, some parents try to pressure their child to seek counseling or just, quote, get over their abuse. Neither of these are helpful and can be even further traumatizing to a survivor. As your child's support person, try to resist the urge to fix the situation and instead meet them right where they're at with unconditional love and support. I will talk more about specific ways to support survivors a bit later in this episode. But for now, I'll talk more about the pitfalls to avoid regarding parents' reactions to interpersonal violence. As I already mentioned, behaviors such as acting against your child's wishes or pressuring them to report are not the best things for them. This can be super challenging for parents who just want to be present for their child and protect them from harm. I totally get that you may feel like there's nothing you can do or that you're helpless in this situation, especially if you're far away from your kiddo. That's such a hard position for a parent to be in. But trying to force your child into a situation they don't want can be even further hurtful and traumatizing. You see, in cases of interpersonal violence, survivors have had their choices and their power taken away from them by their abuser. Trying to do what you think is best against the wishes of your child will likely make a difficult situation even worse, and it may cause them to shut you out as they move forward in their survivor identity. We see protective types of behavior happen with both mothers and fathers, but it shows up most often with fathers toward their daughters. Of course, I totally understand that you want to protect your daughter, and that's okay. But I often hear daughters say that they're afraid to tell their dads they've been hurt because of what his reaction may be. Some students are fearful that their father may hurt their perpetrator and get in trouble for it, which leads to heightened anxiety for the survivor. Some students I work with even say they would never tell their fathers about their abuse because of their fear around his reaction. I totally understand that you may be angry to discover your daughter has been victimized, but this is an excellent chance for you just to show up, listen to her, and support her through the process. Some male and non-binary survivors I work with also tell me about their fears and hesitation around telling their parents about abuse. Some of them are afraid of being judged or even called names after abuse. Remember that men and gender non-conforming folks can be victims as well. Some parents I work with also demonstrate homophobic or transphobic behaviors and blame their children or think less of them because of the gender of their perpetrator. But we know that 98% of sexual assault is perpetrated by men, regardless of the gender of the victim. Being a victim of violence is never the survivor's fault, no matter who they are or who chose to abuse them, and it certainly doesn't make them less of a man. Similarly, when sons are abused by women, some parents I work with tell them they should have enjoyed the sexual experience or to, quote, man up if they're in a violent relationship with a woman. These are socialized responses to women abusing men, and it helps to remember that men can and are abused by women and by people of other genders. Blaming them or minimizing their experiences can cause even more pain for your child and a disruption in your relationship with them after abuse. It's much better for survivors, whether they are sons, daughters, trans, non-binary, or any other gender identity, if you listen to them, validate their emotions and experiences, and respect their decisions. In fact, these are some of the most important things a parent can do when they discover their child has been abused. I also work with a lot of survivors whose parents blame them for what happened. Some parents tell their children that if they weren't drinking or at a party, or if they had dressed more conservatively when going out, then this wouldn't have happened to them. We call these types of responses victim blaming, which is one of the ways we, as a society, exhibit rape-supportive culture. Regardless of what you may have been taught to believe, nobody deserves to be raped or sexually assaulted or abused, regardless of what they were wearing or how they were acting or if they were drunk when it happened. Abusers choose to hurt other people, and the fault lies solely with them. Remember that abuse is never the survivor's fault. 
I also work with many survivors that identify as religious, and I often hear them say they feel guilty or ashamed of being sexually assaulted because they were drinking or having consensual premarital sex before their assault happened. Some of these survivors hesitate to tell their parents about their abuse because they fear being judged based on religious teachings. Now, while topics like sex education, alcohol use, and premarital sex are certainly conversations to have with your child, interplaying these discussions with interpersonal violence is problematic. Abusers are the people who choose to harm another person, and they are responsible for their own behavior. Being a victim is never the survivor's fault, regardless of who they are or what they've done. I totally understand how hard it is to hear about your child's decisions, but I would hate for these topics to bar your child from sharing their experiences with you and allowing you to be a support person for them. If you, as a parent, notice any of these thoughts or feelings coming to the surface, try to reframe your approach because blame and shame are both huge and hurtful burdens for survivors to carry. Instead of saying things like, well, you shouldn't have been drinking or what were you wearing? Try to say something like, he shouldn't have raped you. You didn't deserve it and it's not your fault. Even saying something as simple as I believe you and I'm here for you can go a long way in supporting a survivor. For now, your job is to be there for your child as they contend with what has happened to them. Victim blaming also shows up when parents discover their child has been involved in an abusive relationship. Some survivors are told they should just leave their relationship, or they wouldn't have been hit if they just didn't make their abuser mad. Now, people stay in abusive relationships for a variety of complicated reasons that you may not fully understand, and that's okay. Remember that it's not your child's fault they've been abused. Again, responsibility for abuse rests squarely on the shoulders of the abuser, and you may need to reframe your approach to best support your child. Also, as a support person for your child, you may notice changes in their temperament or behavior. Unfortunately, sexual assault and relationship violence are both very common amongst college-age people. In fact, women between their sophomore year of high school and sophomore year of college are at significantly higher risk of sexual assault than women of other ages. However, we also know that the majority of boys' sexual abuse takes place before the age of 14, and that 58 to 60 percent of incoming CSU students identify as primary or secondary survivors. This means that many of our students come to CSU having already experienced interpersonal violence. If your child has been abused, they may act differently because of the way trauma manifests in the body. Among many other things, you may notice them isolating themselves, becoming depressed or quick to anger. They may be more anxious or disconnected from their lives and other people. Respect their privacy and their emotional processes because there are no neutral or positive experiences of interpersonal violence. These are all very normal reactions to trauma and violence. Listen to your child and validate their anger, pain, and fear. If you notice changes in your child, let them know you love them and are here to support them. Ask them if they need help and respect the answer no matter what it is. However, if your child exhibits suicidal behaviors or you're worried about their emotional and mental health, it's certainly appropriate to seek professional help. If your college-age child has been abused and discloses this to you, consider working with us to get them in touch with resources that will help support them and you on your journeys. Now, I've gone over a lot of what may not be helpful in supporting your child, but I'm going to switch gears a bit and talk about ways parents can be supportive after their child discloses abuse. 
At the WGAC, we use the BEST model, an acronym created for support people. The B stands for Believe Them. This is a simple step, but it can be complicated for all of the reasons I mentioned and many more. At times, survivor stories may be vague or even change to some degree, or they may come out of order or in bits and pieces. These are all normal responses to trauma. Try not to get frustrated and offer validation to everything your child tells you. Sometimes, the most helpful thing you can do for a survivor is to simply believe them and tell them so explicitly. The E in this acronym stands for EMPOWER. This means that you should help your child figure out what choices they have by brainstorming and talking about options without any judgment. Trust that your child is the expert in their own experience and help them rediscover their personal power. As I mentioned earlier, decisions such as reporting are complex and often not the best thing for survivors. Talk through decisions with your child and encourage them to make decisions for themselves. And let them know you'll be in their corner no matter what. The S stands for support. Again, this may be obvious, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes it isn't enough to simply say you will support your child or that you believe them about their experience. Be prepared to support your child in action, even if they choose to do something you don't agree with or that violates your personal moral code. In all honesty, true support comes from backing your child up, even if you think they're making the wrong decisions. Again, don't judge them. Support their decisions and offer unconditional love through the process. I promise this will go a long way in helping your child move forward after abuse. Also, it's helpful to educate yourself about interpersonal violence and the healing process. If necessary, direct your child to resources or professionals to help them navigate their emotions and their choices. The WJC is a good place to start, or if you're connected with other resources in your community, ask for help there as well. The last letter in our acronym is T, which stands for take care of yourself. Again, we know you love your child and would do anything for them. I'm a parent myself, and I love my own children fiercely. So knowing your child has been abused can be extremely emotionally challenging for a parent. Your feelings are totally valid and worthy of love and compassion. But recognize when you've reached your own limitations and do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, whether that's therapy or other forms of self-care. But whatever you do, don't put your emotions on your child. Instead, allow your feelings to come through in appropriate ways at appropriate times. Sure, it's okay to cry or show some emotion in front of your child or to tell them that this is hard for you too because it can be helpful to know you're in it with them. But don't let your feelings overwhelm theirs. Survivors are dealing with so much already and even though your feelings have to do with them, they really aren't about them. If you show big or uncontrolled emotions in front of your child, they may find it hard to talk to you and may even feel guilty for upsetting you. Stay calm and focus on the needs of your child. Now, I'm not saying to totally bottle up your emotions, but seek out your own support people to help you process your feelings around the situation. Also, some parents I work with grow weary of hearing about their child's abuse and may tell them to get over it because the parent doesn't want to hear about it anymore. This can be super hurtful and harmful to your child and may even make them feel like a burden or a problem. If your child has been abused, don't make it about you. Remember that the situation is not your child's fault and they need to focus on their own healing in whatever ways work best for them. It may be helpful to remember that everyone moves through their journey differently and there is no timeline for healing from interpersonal violence. However long it takes is exactly right for the survivor. However, if you've reached your limitations on hearing about abuse, that's okay too. Try to respond by gently letting them know that you're struggling to listen right now and encourage your child to seek out another resource to help them process their story. 
In short, resist the temptation to place the full burden of your emotions on your child and seek out your own resources for healing. Then, you can be a totally present support for your child and you can all move forward together. On that note, as I've already mentioned, please know that the WGAC is here to support parents of survivors as well as other support people in the aftermath of interpersonal violence. So that's all for this episode of We Believe You, Advocacy, Resources, and Healing Around Interpersonal Trauma. Please remember that the WJAC is here to provide support for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's W-G-A-C at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. For more information about advocacy in the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the W-G-A-C on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in the podcast and to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.